So Money Episode 366, Jen Barrett. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor and even video backgrounds. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. How was your weekend, guys, gals? Hope you had a really nice, relaxing Saturday and Sunday. Mondays are always hard, right? Because, well, it's just not the weekend anymore. Clearly, the week has begun. And I don't have the case of the Sundays anymore. You know, the sort of like gloomy Sunday evening where you're like, oh, I got to go back to work. Uh, definitely had those days, but working for myself definitely helps. Although lately my schedule has been so crazy that I could use an extra weekend day, you know, make it a a three day weekend once in a while. Our guest today is a friend of mine. I met her when I started to write for Daily Worth. Do you know about Daily Worth? If you are a professional woman or just really any woman who's interested in financial independence, being more engaged with your money, Daily Worth is a fantastic resource. It's an editorial site with a ton of great content. I write a lot for the site. And Jennifer Barrett, our guest today, was at one point the managing editor of Daily Worth. And before that, she was with Hearst Digital. She was the general manager over three magazines, including Cosmopolitan, Red Book, and Seventeen. She's the co-author of two personal finance books. Today, Jennifer Barrett is the vice president of editorial at Acorns. A lot of you know about Acorns. In fact, I've learned about Acorns through you all. You've written in about it, wanted to learn more about it. And of course, Acorns is a very successful mobile application that makes investing a little easier for those of us who don't have time to invest. Well, Acorns is now getting into the content business. So they brought in Jennifer because she's so fabulous and so experienced to be their VP of editorial. And she's the founding editor of Acorn's personal finance site called Grow, which just launched this year in January. So check out Grow. It's a fantastic site. Ashton Kutcher's behind it. It's a big deal. With Jennifer, we talk about what's on tap at Grow. How is it going to actually differentiate itself in a sea of personal finance content out there? What drew her to financial journalism? I mean, like I've always said, we don't wake up one day and go, you know what I really want to be one day when I grow up is a financial writer. This doesn't happen. What was her turning point? And the financial investment she makes every Saturday that helps her marriage. Here's Jennifer Barrett. 
Jen Barrett, welcome to So Money, my friend. New year, new gig. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited to be here and tell you all about it. Yeah, so tell me all about it. I remember you were very cryptic about your departure <laughs> from, at the time it was CNBC, and prior, I've known you since Daily Worth Days, and now you're right. in Acorns. Tell us a little bit about, I know Acorns the app, but they're also getting into the content world through their new personal finance site called Grow, which you're spearheading. Tell us about Grow and what is really the hope with that? Well, I think there was always an intention at Acorns um, that they have some kind of content components um, or some educational components because, you know, just to quickly uh, give you an overview of what Acorns is all about for for those listeners who who don't know about it already. It's a it's an app that allows you essentially to round up your purchases and they'll invest the difference in an investment account and they'll they'll pick one or recommend I should say one of five portfolios based on some questions that you fill out about your risk tolerance, your timeline, and some other factors. So a lot of the users that they have, and they have more than 1.4 million signups at this point, and believe over 700,000 investment accounts, active investment accounts, um, a lot of them are millennials uh, in their 20s and early 30s. And so I think the um, the idea behind creating a content site was really for a lot of people when they talked to to their users, what they found was for a lot of people, this was the first time that they'd ever invested in the market. And the portfolios include stocks and bonds and uh, different asset classes. But it was the first time a lot of them had invested in the stock market. So it was really important. They felt like it was very important to give them... Um, to educate them around what happens um, in the market, particularly now, <laughs> because the market is going down. And it's really hard when you, you see that you've invested money and that the whole balance, you know, your total balance has gone down. So I think that was part of it was just to provide the educational component to explain that the market goes up and down, and it's a long term investment. Um, but for me, what was so exciting was that they they really didn't have anything. So when I joined, I, I basically got to create a, a new personal finance site from scratch. And I had a really big vision because there's not really a personal finance site out there that's geared toward millennials. So this is a huge opportunity, I think, for us to fill that hole. Well, I'm curious to know what how your vision is... Uh different now that you've had the experiences that you've had with Daily Worth and CNBC. And before that, even you were co-authoring books in, in the finance mm -hmm. space. So now that you have kind of your own baby here to, to grow <laughs> and nurture and well, yeah, it grow. feels very much like, yes. I mean, so what are you implementing here that you weren't before? What can we look forward to? Well, I think what's so fun is that, you know, I work, this is a startup. So there's a real startup mentality and it gives you a lot of freedom. It's like, well, let's try this <laughs> and see if it works. And there, you don't feel like there are those restrictions maybe that there might be when you're working for a really large company um, that's been around for a long time. So because we're starting from scratch, we want to try a lot of new things. I think over the next several weeks, um, and it might be live depending on, on when this runs, uh, we've got some videos that are rolling out and we actually want to create some interactive videos so that within the video space, you can 
you can play with the videos. You can click within the videos to see uh, what different, we call them chapters. So if we're talking about different personal finance terms, you could be watching a video and actually click on a word and another video will pop up to explain what that term is. So it's like those kind of tools that just um, are kind of new and different. We want to do some podcasts. And I think even with the, the stories that we run, we have some freedom to kind of push the envelope in ways that um, I might not have been able to do at, at different companies. And really what I want to do, I mean, you know this, Farnoosh, it's like <laughs> I've been covering personal finance for years now. I started when I first moved to New York in 2000, I was covering foreign exchange at Dow Jones and writing the foreign exchange column for the Wall Street Journal. So I, that's where I started. And I've been kind of in and out of personal finance since then. And I think one of the big challenges and frustrations is that I feel like we have been giving the same advice for years and years and years. And yet, you know, if anything, the country is in worse shape now than it was uh, 10 or 15 years ago in terms of being financially prepared, certainly for retirement. But just in general, when you look at these surveys where people, you know, if they had a $500 or a $1,000 bill that came up, they couldn't cover it. And that's just terrifying. And so I think the challenge for us and what's really kind of exciting here is that we want to talk about it in a way that's more relevant. I mean, it's every day I talk with my managing editor and with our contributors about how can we tell this in a way that feels real for you? you know, like, how can we tell this in a different way mm -hmm. than is normal so that it really feels relevant to you and it resonates with you and it can prompt people to take some action. And maybe if you can get Ashton Kutcher involved, which <laughs> that was I noticed he <laughs> tweeted about one of your articles, you mentioned him. Is that part of the strategy is to fold personal finance into pop culture? Yes, that's that's a very uh, conscious strategy. Um, we did a Q&A with Ashton Kutcher and that was uh, that ran the the day of our official launch. And he's just been a huge supporter of Acorns and uh, has been a fabulous friend of Grow. And that certainly helped. He tweeted it out and he has millions and millions of followers. So that had a huge effect obviously on our numbers. But I think what was even more important is that he reaches the demographic that we're trying to reach. So that was huge. Um, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, I did an interview with John Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, who's uh, in his 80s. So we have the whole, the whole gamut there, but we're really trying to bring in interesting people. And, and this will be a regular thing, these Q&As. What we're trying to do with them is really look for um, kind of the genesis of what started their journey to where they are now. So with Ashton, one of the questions was, you know, what were the first jobs you had? And he talked about some really terrible jobs he had. And what was the scariest um, financial decision you've ever made? And, you know, so there were really kind of interesting questions that he had stuff he hadn't talked about before. And I think that's what made it really interesting. Um, and he's just an interesting guy. I mean, a lot of people know him as an actor, but he is actually an incredibly successful investor. So he's, mm -hmm. um, so he, you know, so this is something that he hasn't had as much of an opportunity to talk about. Well, um, I would love a connection to get him on so money. <laughs> now that I have you, um, no, I know he's. He, he does, I, I know that he has that side to him of of being um, really interested in in tech in tech startups, and what you said earlier about 1.4 million subscribers. That's that's a yeah. fast growth because I remember, for example, at Daily Worth, it was a big deal when we were about to cross like a million email subscribers, um, which maybe it's different in the content world versus some, a, a company like Acorns, which actually has a service. 
Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? What's what's easier to grow, a company like um, Acorns or a company that is strictly editorial? Well, in terms of subscribers, I think, you know, with Acorns, when you sign up for the app or you go through that sign up process, um, then you are a subscriber. That's part of the process. So, you know, anyone who's interested in the app and who is signing up for the app will be added to the list unless they unsubscribe. But, but honestly, that growth is incredible because the app has really only been around for about 14 or 15 months now. So they really, I mean, like an incredible number of people are signing up for it. And that's, that was part of the excitement. I mean, part of the reason I joined, because this really is the first time I've stepped out of a strictly um, editorial role in the traditional sense is that I really, I mean, I believe in the product and I believe in their philosophy, which really is about, um, you know, start small, um, and, you know, and big, you know, the whole idea of like planting mm-hmm. an acorn and get an oak tree mm-hmm. is pretty easy to buy into. Um, but to your point, I think because they've got a lot of traction with people signing up for the app, those numbers probably grew faster than if we were just saying, Hey, we're a new content site, come and read us and sign up. Um, there's, that takes a lot longer. To right. Build up. There's so, a, yeah. No, it, it was nice to have that start. <laughs> I bet. Um, all right. So let's talk so money uh, scenarios. Let's first ask you, Jennifer, um, what is your money mantra? After all these years of covering personal finance, what's your own personal financial philosophy? No, I don't really have a mantra per se, but I, I sort of feel like my philosophy is that money is just not the end game. It's really a means for creating the life that you want and giving yourself options. So it's not about amassing a lot of money just for the sake of having a lot of money. It's about being able to do more of what you love and being able to live the life that you want. Sort of keeping that in mind when you make any financial decision helps you stay on the right track. Are you still making trips to the post office? Why, when you can get postage on demand? With Stamps.com, you can print your own postage at your convenience. I'm serious. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes, so you can get postage 24-7. And I'm a huge fan myself. Stamps.com saves me time, and time is money. When mailing my books or important contracts, I can easily get postage and send out mail without rushing to my local post office during its limited hours. Head on over to stamps.com where you can sign up today. They're offering my listeners a special deal with promo code SOMONEY. You'll get a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in SOMONEY. That's stamps.com and enter SOMONEY. What was your introduction to money growing up as a kid? You talked about your first job being, uh, uh, you know, for Dow Jones covering um, not the most exciting part of financial (laughs) markets. So I'm curious how a person ends up like that. Is this something that you were always fascinated by and you kind of, Mm -hmm. even though it was maybe not so fun, but you were intrigued by it through another lens? Um, I think, I mean, to be honest, I took that job because I wanted to get to New York. So that was the, uh, Fair sort of, enough. I, I had a contact at Dow Jones because before that I'd been working at a newspaper in Arizona as a general assignment reporter covering the military and education and all sorts of things. Um, so it, it was a big 
leap, but, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I went to Newsweek after that to cover business. And for most of my career, I've either been focused on personal finance or health. And it might seem like those two are completely unrelated, but I think what, what drew me to both of them is the same thing. It's the idea that your health and your money have more of an impact on your quality of life than anything else. And on the flip side, you know, while we can't control, like, you know, you could, you could break a leg and you really can't control for that. And you could have some financial claim, like you could lose your job and you can't necessarily control for that. But the more educated you are and the more proactive you are, you can really lower your risk of anything bad happening and help to improve your quality of life. And I think that's true with both health and personal finance, that the more educated you are, um, you know, the bigger a difference it will make in your life. And so as a reporter, that's really gratifying because you feel like you're writing about something and you can actually, you know, quantifiably improve someone's life by writing about either of those. So that, that was the appeal for me. And I was kind of going back and forth between the two of them. And then I had a, you know, just personally, I had kind of a moment of clarity (laughs) with my own finances. Really? What was that? Um, you know, it was after I had my, my oldest son, Zach, um, it was a real turning point for me. I was, I was working at a news magazine and, um, one that, you know, you're familiar with. And it was, I had, all, you know, all my life basically since I was a teenager in Texas and we used to get, it was Newsweek. We used to get Newsweek at home. I had dreamed of moving to New York, working for Newsweek, writing books. And that was it. That was my plan. And I had been at Newsweek for a while. And I just remember one night I was like rocking him to sleep and I was thinking about, he was sharing a bedroom with us, which is not uncommon, you know, in New York, but I was thinking about what are we going to do? We need to move to a bigger place and we want to have another kid. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it was that night. It just kind of hit me. Uh, I'm not making enough to, to support that. And I haven't saved enough for us to be able to afford to get a bigger place or realistically to have a second child in New York city. Um, and, and I knew that if we were going to be able to do that, I I had kind of had to step up. And so the, um, the magazine announced not long after that it was offering these voluntary buyouts. And this was, this was kind of terrifying for me because it really was something all my life. I'd sort of dreamed of being there and didn't really have a plan B for the first time in my life. Um, and I wasn't on the list. But I went to HR and I asked what I could get if I volunteered. And it was nearly six months salary because I'd been there for seven years. And so I I made a deal with myself right then that I would take it and I would sock away all but the first month of that money um, into an investment account. And um, I would find another job or enough freelance work to more than match what I'd been making because I, I realized that I was making at that point, less than a lot of people in a similar job because I'd been there for a while and had been getting like 2%, 5% each year. So that was another lesson. Um, but I did it. So that, that next year, I earned about 50% more than I had at the magazine the year before. And I had that five months of salary that I'd invested in the stock market. And I was lucky that we were near the bottom of the bear market. So that money has, has doubled <laughs> since then. Wow. So that really, for me, was a turning point. And, uh, and it was, I mean, I can talk about it now pretty easily, but 
it was pretty painful at the time because it was the first time where I realized that this vision that I had for my life was not based on real numbers, you know, that, um, that wanting to have this lifestyle in New York city and raise a family here and wanting to be this reporter that maybe those numbers weren't going to work out and that I needed to figure out mm-hmm. how to make that work. And very quickly, you know, if we were going to stay there. You know what the title of that story would be? When getting yourself laid off makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> when requesting... It honestly was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. Well, it, it <laughs> happened. It was a big decision that many people had to make in the recession. Yes. Or leading up to the recession when companies were starting to really see <laughs> their um, their balance sheets for reals. And they were like, okay, we, we need to either lay off 20% or start doing, you know... Um, a really slow, gradual, voluntary layoff. And yeah, do I take the package or do I stay? And then I get laid off and I get nothing. So I think that was obviously now you look in hindsight and it was a brilliant decision. But yeah, at the time, kind of fraught with a lot of uncertainty and anxiety. Would you say – so that that I see is like a very so money moment in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What would you say is your biggest financial failure on the flip side? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I made a lot of financial mistakes before that moment. I mean, the reason I was in that predicament for one was that I didn't, I didn't save enough that, you know, if I'd had a real savings cushion, I, I might not have been in that place, but I've made bigger mistakes. I mean, they're, they're usually well-intentioned, but in my twenties, I, when I, when I moved from Arizona to New York, I had a 401k and I had the option to roll it over. And I, I cashed it out instead and used it to pay off a car loan, which I thought at the time was sort of being responsible because I wouldn't have debt. And of course, you know, had I left that money in the stock market or it was, you know, stocks and bonds, but if I'd left it alone, it would, you know, I mean, it would have paid for eight cars probably by now just because so much time has passed. But you know, I, I didn't have real clarity on, on how that worked at the time. I just thought I don't want to be in debt anymore. Um, but so that was, that was a big mistake in something I caution people about now. (laughs) It happens more than you think it happens more than now. I know why this topic comes up a lot is because now you're not the first person on the show who a successful person who has admitted (laughs) to having done this. And I think the bigger mistake is never investing at all in your 401k right. to begin with. But yeah, certainly you want to try to keep that locked down until, until you know, 59 and a half at least. Yeah. What's okay. So I, I, I'm not an acorns user, but I'm going to try to um, look into this some more. I'm, I'm really trying to rethink my financial management strategy. I'm thinking I'm not going to work with a financial advisor anymore. I'm thinking I want to take advantage of things like acorns and digit, the ones that like will really just automate you're mm-hmm. saving and investing, even if it is on a smaller scale. Hey, it's more than I would do on my own. <laughs> um, what's your number one habit? So this is all, there's a reason I'm saying this is because I want to mm-hmm. ask you about your top financial habit right now that's directly correlated to your, to your financial well-being, you think? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say two, but the biggest, and this actually is you know, Acorns takes advantage of this as well. But for me, um, I am so busy right now. And you know, this as a mom, like I have two kids at this point, and I'm working at a startup. Um, 
So I'm, I'm really, I get worried that I'm going to let something slip. So I don't want to miss a bill or anything. So I automate everything. I automate every monthly bill I'm responsible for. It's the mortgage, the maintenance, the after school fees. I have money automatically taken out of my checking account each month too. And this is, this is equally important. I have money taken out each month that goes into my savings account, some that goes into my personal investment account, and then enough that goes into my IRA that I'll max out my contributions this year. So I just take that like right off the top. And I know that if I don't like, if I do nothing else, <laughs> at least my right. bills are covered and I'm saving because I'll look at my checking account and I'm not, I know I tell people to budget and I've tried, but I, I just hate I don't budgeting. Budget. <laughs> so. I, I don't, I'm with you on that. I've, this is what I do. And it sounds like this is your system too. You take care of the boring necessary stuff first yep. that if, if, if a shoe falls in any of these categories, um, shoe drops, then the real, the bad things can happen. Right. <laughs> There's a domino effect. Right. Like I, I actually have anxiety still over some of my insurances, like disability and life insurance that believe it or not, these big behemoth companies don't like, there is no automation. I have to actually send in a physical check every month. Oh um, slowly they're catching on to this. Like, I think I just got news that my disability insurance company will let me do this automatically because it's a big paycheck every year. And if I miss it, guess what? It cancels. Oh, I know. No, so, it's terrifying. And all that money I poured into it, like there's no, <laughs> it's for nothing. There's a little bit right. of a grace period, but I mean, sometimes I don't open my, I don't get to my mailbox every day. I don't right. open no, up my no. mail every day. It just, it won't, uh, terrifies me, but to your point, <laughs> no, that's yeah. just peace of mind. Having, being able to automate things just gives you peace of mind. And for those that I can't, I've been setting up text reminders for my cell phone bill. I get a text reminder each month. And as soon as I get it, I try, it takes two minutes to pay it over the phone. So I try to do it the minute I see the reminder. Yeah. All right. So uh, you heard it here, guys. You don't have to budget. You just have to get rid of, get to settle, you know. <laughs> don't get me in trouble now. No, I know. Well, I, I, I get, no, I get in trouble all the time. You, you need the budget to start. And I did create a budget to start. But then I don't know that every month you need to be plugging away once you've gotten into a rhythm. And, you know, I, I look at my... I look at my, my statements, um, you know, at least once a week, usually more. So as long as I feel like, you know, there's still a good amount of money in my checking account, I'm not too worried. Yes. All right. So let's do some so money fill in the blanks now, Jen. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million dollars, the first thing I would do, yeah, that's a lot, is? (laughs) First thing I would do, honestly, I don't know that there's a lot I'd change substantially about my life. Although I'd love a bigger apartment. But I think if I if I won the lottery, at least that amount, I would I would talk to my husband about how to spend it. And we'd we do the typical like put more money in our 529s for our kids because college <laughs> is just ridiculous. I hope expensive. you go to dinner at least and discuss this. A nice dinner. <laughs> we would go to a very nice <laughs> we'd go to a very nice dinner in uh, you know. I was going to say Cancun or Australia or somewhere yeah. to discuss. <laughs> yeah. But, but honestly, I think, you know what I'd love to do uh, if I had more money is I, I just want to put more money into kind of the causes and the companies I care about, especially startups. Being in this community now, I've met so many really fascinating entrepreneurs, especially women who have these amazing ideas, like world changing kind of ideas and just need the funding to see them come to fruition. So, you know, to be able to put some money behind that would be, would be pretty amazing. You know, I just spent 
a couple of weeks with some pretty rich people as I'm filming this new CNBC show. And, <laughs> but what, you know, and as fun as it's been and as, ah, just really, ah, amazing to experience life through their, through how they live life. I, I still go home and I'm like, you know what? I don't think I really want to be as rich as them. I think I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see that and go, wow, I don't have envy. I don't have, you know, any sort of aspiration to become a billionaire. Um, Maybe I should. <laughs> no, no, I think I actually think that that that's a really good sign because it means that you basically like create my life. the life that you want. Yeah, yeah, I mean that really should. It's the the whole idea with money is like I, I you know you don't want to be in a position where you need the money to make a substantial change in your life. The idea is just like you are enjoying your life and having more money just allows you to do more of the things you love or support the causes or people that you really care about. Yes. Wow. That's well said. I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> That's a tweetable. Um, all right. Uh, where were we? So how about this? One thing that I spend on that makes my life easier or better is? Hmm. <laughs> Our babysitter. Which I don't know, that's yeah. not a big splurge, but we have a sitter who comes pretty much every Saturday, like clockwork. And so my husband and I can have a, a date night, which is, that's which has made a huge difference in our marriage. I, <laughs> I bet. We didn't do that for the first few years after Zach was born. And you just forget, you know, you, when you don't have any time alone together, it's, yeah, so I'm telling you, Farnoosh, if you don't already oh, have date Oh, ours night. is Thursdays. Tonight <laughs> oh, there you go. Is, yeah. See, you're already we on top of it. don't always do the date night, but she definitely comes. And whether it's, you know, a date night or I get to go work out and get a manicure yeah. or my husband gets to go <laughs> and do his thing with his friends, it's just a night. It's a, it's a, it's a free night. And most exactly. often we, we spend it together and, and then others, you know, we, we do our own thing. But absolutely money well spent. Your biggest splurge. It's a little different question, but what your biggest splurge, what is that? I'd say travel. And I know a lot of your guests say the same thing, but but it's it's true. That's the one thing where I feel no guilt spending a good amount of money yeah. on it because it's yeah, there's nothing like it. You, you never know, regret it, standard. right? No, I never you go, don't. Oh, I wish you I'd don't. spent less on my vacation. Unless right. I, you right. know, I broke up with a boyfriend or something. On well, it, that but, might be. <laughs> so that's never happened. I'm trying to think out loud here. What could be possible? Could, how could a vacation no, possibly No, but I think no wrong? one ever says, I wish I traveled less. You know, I think yes. it's usually the other way around. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is? Mm. You know, my parents were actually fantastic role models financially. But I think one thing that didn't really hit me probably until that turning point in my life was that savings equals freedom, period. Mm -hmm. Savings equals freedom. And I had always had, I mean, I really lived right up to the edge for a good chunk of my twenties with this idea that I can always earn more. I'll just work harder. I'll pick up an extra job. And I did. Um, but it put me on this kind of hamster wheel where I was constantly <laughs> working harder just to kind of stay afloat and not really feeling like I could get ahead. Um, and I, with savings, it, there's this funny, it, this is one of my, you know, one of the things that really gets to me um, is that we treat savings like a luxury for some reason, or we talk about emergency funds as if, you know, when you think of emergencies, you think it's, it's unusual. It's something that hardly ever happens. And 
it's just not true. It's like, you know, things will happen. Like if something doesn't happen while well, you're the anomaly. So it's, it's never a matter of if really it's a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And so just having that money and just even more than, than that, it just gives you choices. You know, like, I feel like I'm at the point in my life now where I don't have to compromise on anything that's important to me on anything. And that's, that's just a matter of having enough money to be able to walk away from mm-hmm. a bad situation, you know? And that's, I mean, that's incredible. The that's, F, that's the F you money. <laughs> it's exactly it. And you know, what's funny. I said something to my dad about this the other day. We were talking about finances and he said, oh yeah, it's the go to hell fund. And I'm like, why didn't you ever put it that way to yeah. me when I was younger? Cause that totally would have worked. He's like, yeah. He's like, that was, he's like, that's when I kind of knew that I'd made it. Cause he grew up really poor and really, really poor. Like his bedroom was a storage closet, kind of poor. And um, and they had like nothing and he worked really hard and has made money. But he said the turning point for him was when he had built up enough in his go to hell fund where he knew he could walk away from any job, you know, that, that made him unhappy and that we'd be okay. Well, so now on so money, the role of the emergency fund will now be played by the go F yourself fund. <laughs> so that's, that's what we're going to, we're going to reframe things a little bit on the show. <laughs> okay, Jen. Uh, last but not least, I'm Jen Barrett and I'm so money because. Mm. I feel like this has been a recurring theme of our conversation, but I, because I'm doing what I want to do, you know, I'm living the life that I want and that's really what it's all about. Right. You know, yeah, having yeah. enough time to make the choices you want and do more of what you love. And you really can't do that with a conscience, with a clear conscience, if you don't feel that you have your financial house in order, which you do. Right. And it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> but but uh, uh, it's a work in progress. Thank you so much, Jen. We're going to all check out Grow. We're going to make it a, a must-stop destination. Um, we're going to put it on our website. And um, we look forward to to seeing new things with Grow. And of course, Acorns is, um, is just killing it. It's a family business too, which I didn't realize. It is. Yeah. Father and son. And they're, they're great. Which makes it all the more special. Thanks so much, yeah. Jen. Have a great rest Thanks of your year. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> you too, Farnoosh. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Jennifer, her website is grow.acorns.com. Follow her on Twitter too, jbarrettnyc. All this information back at somoneypodcast.com in case you missed any of it, whether it was the audio, some of these links. If you want to leave a comment, head over to somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, click on Ask Farnoosh. That's how you can ask me a question, a financial question, a career question, whatever's on your mind. I'm willing to answer it. And that is going to be reserved for our Friday episodes of Ask Ask Farnoosh. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Hope to see you right back here tomorrow. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money.